0: This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, the Minto Cup is two days away. Four teams, one title, and one pack Gregoire. In the senior loop, we could seriously have four game sevens. We're going to have three. Could we go a perfect four for four? Casey Bearns hangs them up. David Brock goes to New England. And I have a serious question that I don't know the answer to. All that and more on OTCB. I am an What is good, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. My name is Teddy Jenner, as always, and for the past few weeks, I'm here with Bear in the studio. Uh, He's just chewing on a bone, showing out on the carpet, and we got a great show for you here tonight. As mentioned, Pat Gregoire will stop by. He'll give us a scene setter from Brampton as we get set for the 2017 Minto Cup. The Minto Cup is going to be fantastic. Uh, Four incredible teams, so we look forward to the chat with Pat Gregoire, uh, as mentioned off the top. I never, ever thought it could happen, and it's never has happened. Four Game 7s are a possibility on the road to the Man Cup. Uh, We're going to talk about WLA Coach of the Year. Start thinking about it right now, because I don't know who wins that award. The Founders' Cup gets underway today. Uh, The President's Cup is a few weeks away. The Man Cup, the Minto Cup. It is championship season here in Canada. But we got to get there first. Formalities, as always. If you want to get a hold of me here at the show, you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at OffTheCrossbar. We're going to talk heavily about the Minto Cup this week with Pat Gregoire. But what it comes down to and the idea of what's happening here in the Minto Cup is a general growth of smaller markets. And what it does is it shows patience, work ethic, a proper working model, and experienced coaches can take teams from zero to 100 in the blink of an eye. Coquitlam, Six Nations, they've been powerhouses for years. Okotoks, they've been one of the top two teams in Alberta for six to eight years. But they've just become a recent success story. And I believe they're in their sixth Minto Cup. Or sorry, they've won the Alberta League six years uh, or six times, I should say. But again... That was a program that had to start from the ground and work its way up to legitimacy. And now they are constantly one of the top two teams in the Rocky Mountain League. It's fantastic. Mimico. Only been a Junior A program for three years. They went 5-15 and 15 their first year, and now they're playing for the Minto Cup. Working model fantastic coaching, an ownership group and a management staff and behind-the-scenes people that really help get these programs off the ground and running. And you can see how quickly a team can go from start to finish that quickly. What Steve Toll has done with the Mimical Mountaineers is incredible. So the, the process isn't as hard as some may seem or some may feel. To get to a Minto Cup, winning a Minto Cup is completely different. Getting there is hard, but winning it is even harder. And while Mimico and Okotoks are extremely happy to be representing their provinces and at the Minto Cup, the end goal, just like for Coquitlam and Six Nations and everybody playing in the junior loops, the end goal is to win a Minto Cup. And senior, the end goal to win the Man Cup. There's the founders and the presidents. All of it is an end goal. No one is happy with just winning their league. You need to go to the very end. And the four coaches who are in charge of their teams, Pat Merrill, Pat Coyle, Steve Toll, and Anna McBride, all have their teams poised and ready to go to battle. Sure. Six Nations and Coquitlam, probably the odds-on favorites to meet in the final. But that doesn't mean Mimico or the Okotoks can't pull up some upsets, can't steal a win or two, and work their way into the semifinals and maybe even the finals. It is doable. Hunger, determination, focus, poise, depth, staying healthy, all of those things go into winning a Minto Cup, especially once you get to this point. And it is going to be an incredible Minto Cup tournament. And it gets started on Thursday. Wednesday is the press conference. Thursday, things will get going. JVI will have all of the games. Um, Our next guest, Pat Gregoire, will do color alongside Matthew Carrick. And all the games, again, on JVI video. Don't know if we're looking at pay-per-view or free stream. My guess will be pay-per-view. We'll ask Patty that momentarily. So that's the Minto. We're going to go there in a little bit. But we also have the Founders Cup going on and that gets underway today. And there are 6 teams this year, the Seneca War Chiefs, Saskatchewan SWAT, Orangeville Northmen, Red Deer Rampage, Coquitlam Madnacks, and the Manitoba Blizzards. Those are your 6 teams and people think that when you get to the Man Cup and it's 7 games in 9 days, that's a grind. Well, the President's Cup in the first round You'll play five games in five days. That's how quickly they want to get this thing done with. Five games in five days, that takes an incredible toll on your body. And that's just the round robin. Then they got to go through playoffs and all that other stuff. I think the President's Cup, there's eight teams, and they play, I think they split them up into two pools now, but they still play a ton of games in a short amount of time. So good luck to everybody at the Founders. You can go to um, Founders. Just Google search Founders Cup 2017. And you'll take you right to the point streak page. Um, So you can keep up to date on that. Uh, It's going down in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Again, starting today. Two games are already in the books. Website doesn't have any scores up. Uh, Red Deer played Orangeville. And Seneca played Manitoba. The late game is Coquitlam taking on the hometown Saskatchewan. Swat. So uh, we'll keep you up to date to that as best we can. We'll touch base on it next week. But uh, that's the Founders' Cup. And then we'll have the Mint Socos. Founders and Minto basically at the same time. And the President's Cup will get underway on the 27th. And, yes, there are nine teams. And not all of the teams are officially booked in as of yet. You'll have a team from Alberta, BC, the Can-Am League. Uh, from the Quebec League, you have the Gonewagi Mohawks. Uh, You have a Nova Scotia rep. Uh, The Saskatoon Brewers from Saskatchewan are in. Six Nations Rivermen and the Six Nations Slash are in. Plus, a team from the Tri Nations Lacrosse League will be available, will be in as well. So, that's nine teams, and their schedule is just as crazy. They will play seven games in seven days. It's ridiculous. Like, how there aren't more injuries in these tournaments when. You're playing that many games in that many days. Little sleep, sleeping in hotels. Like the first game in the morning is at 9 a.m. The last game's at 9 p.m. That's not a lot of turnaround for some of these teams. But that's just the way these things work. And it's going to be a heated President's Cup. This year's tournament is going to go down at the ILA, at the Iroquois Lacrosse Arena. So you can expect some fantastic crowds And even better action. And hopefully by next week, we'll have some information on web streams for that one. And then we'll kind of transition right into the Man Cup, which will get started usually in that first week of September. Right around when the NFL football season starts. And by the 17th, I think, we'll know all four champions. Founders, Minto, Presidents, Man Cup. All in a row. Championship season lacrosse is upon us. As mentioned, was able to catch up with Pat Gregoire earlier in the day. And he, along with Matthew Carrick, will have the coverage on JVI video starting on Thursday night. Your opening game, Coquitlam against Mimico. And then the second game, Okotoks versus the Six Nations Arrows. When I caught up with Patty Gregoire, uh, he had just kind of got himself settled. And once we had kind of caught up and said our hellos, I asked him what he was most excited about about the twenty seventeen Minto Cup.
1: Uh, well, you know what? It's uh, mm-hmm. I'm excited. It's going to be the first time that you know, uh, in a long time, that I've been you know in the building. The last time I think I went to a Minto Cup in person was when it was in Brampton, uh, you know, back in the day. But uh, now being in the booth with the JVI Video, it's going to be exciting to call the games and. You know, I think we've got four really, really strong teams competing, and uh, obviously, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have Six Nations pegged as uh, as the mm-hmm. top dog, uh, but I think, you know, the three other teams have a really good chance, uh, you know, to come away here uh, and not only just be competitive, but, uh, you know, come out as Mental Cup champions.
2: I think, uh, and that's exactly right, everyone kind of has Six Nations checked off as the number one team, Coquitlam probably being 1A as they're the defending champs, and, and then Mimico and Okotoks being sort of the the outliers in that group. But it's going to be an interesting Minto back east, because I think, if my memory serves right, this is the first time we've had a Minto back east in this four-team format where it's been a host city and not a host team, so there's no true home favorite. Is Mimico going to be the team out there that probably draws the best? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I
1: think, uh, you know, obviously Six Nations,
2: they tend to travel pretty well as well, Mm -hmm. but... uh,
1: in that semi-finals against Brampton in Brampton's barn, there were times where it felt like it was a home game uh, for the Mountaineers. Uh, They, this is a team that, you know, has a ton of history at all levels. Of course, it's uh, just been a new junior A team uh, for the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. but they've, they've had a lot of history in junior A lacrosse uh, in junior B as well. And uh, I think that, uh, they've been hungry for a competitive uh, junior A team, and what Steve Toll has been able to do in such a short amount of time, bringing them, uh, you know, to the top of not only you know Ontario lacrosse but in a Canadian championship, mm-hmm. it, it's quite crazy. And I know those Mountaineer fans are just going to travel right up the 401. And I think there's going to be times where you're going to see a lot of double blue in, in the stands.
2: You talk about sort of the emergence of this. Oak, or sorry, the the Mimico team just three years ago was their first year in the Junior A loop. Toller took into a five and fifteen record. Now they're in the Minto Cup final. Um, are they playing a bit of an underdog role, or do you think that they they have a feeling that they can really win this thing? You know what? I,
1: I think obviously when you're looking out from the outside and uh, looking at this situation with Mimico, I mean a lot of people had them pegged as underdogs against Brampton.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Brampton
1: being a team that was just so stacked offensively, uh, you know, with lead, led by, you know, Jeff Pete, Uh, But their defense is just so stingy. Uh, play a great team defense game. And I think maybe they don't think that they're underdogs. They think that, you know, they went through such a long, grueling, emotional and physical series
2: yeah. against
1: Brampton that it kind of, you know, took the wind out of their sails for the Ontario Championships, and they're kind of, you know, feeling like maybe this is a reset button. It's a new series, and they're not the underdogs in here. It's a new ball game, and they really do think, you know, give another chance at six stations. They're going to be able to put up a better fight.
2: What were your thoughts on the Ontario Finals with uh, Toller's choice to, to kind of rest some bodies and sit some guys to make sure they were fully healthy for the Minto Cup?
1: I mean, you know what? Obviously, there was a lot of people who really didn't like the move and thought, you know, you were, you know, throwing in the the towel. But I, you know, I can't disagree with it. I don't. I'm not. You know, I don't strongly, strongly agree with it. But at the same time, I don't. I don't disagree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'm I said already. You know, they 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 were so banged up. Uh, Tanner Thompson could barely walk at the end of the series. He's their best player by far. And if you don't have him healthy for the Minto there's a good chance that you're not going to be able to compete. There were so many other really strong players that, you know, needed rest. Andrew Kew, uh, Jonathan Donville, Peyton Cormier, uh, Jackson uh, Subak, who's probably one of their best defenders, if not their best defender. Uh, mm-hmm. They all needed time to rest. And we've seen in other sports, most notably and most recently, uh, with the Memorial Cup. Sometimes it's not the best team that wins; it's one of the most healthy teams. And yeah. I, we saw Windsor this year. They had, a, a, not by choice, but they had a lot of time off. <laughs> they weren't banged up. They came in healthy. They were refreshed. And I think Toller recognized. You know what? If, if we go to battle against six nations here, I don't think the boys are going to have enough in the tank to to win a minto. And you know, I, you know, reading um, you know Shanny's uh, blog on Isle Indoor talking about how all these teams don't really care about their provincial championships They want yeah. the mimico championship. And I think if Toller and the Mountaineers, you know, give up an Ontario title for a mimico or for a uh a title a Canadian title for a mimico, a minto championship, I think they'll take that and I think, you know, we saw last year with Coquitlam
2: right. they weren't
1: the uh they weren't the provincial champions in bc and they still found a way to win a Minto.
2: Yeah, it's crazy how that worked last year and, and... Uh, and this year with Mimico, that maybe that's that's a blessing in disguise to get that series out of the way, maybe play a little possum, and, and then come into the Minto Cup healthy, but uh, as we've talked about, the Six Nations Chiefs have been kind of crowned the favorites going in, sorry, the Six Nations Arrows, have been crowned kind of favorites going in. What do you like about this team? Obviously highlighted by uh, Tocanaticoak and, and Austin stats, but this is a very deep team um, that has a lot of experience, even though much like Coquitman. they lost some guys in the off season.
1: Yeah, you know what, that the the word you said right there is deep and that that's what I really, really like about this team. You know, the you can obviously talk about Austin Stott, who, you know, has has won at every level. I mean, when he was eighteen years old last year, in my personal opinion, he was one of the better players in the man cup. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, obviously this year he was he was electric, seventy points, forty three points in the playoffs, but like you said, there are a ton of other guys that can can contribute as well. Uh, Travis Longboat, as well, playing in his first full season with the arrows. He's a guy that uh, you know has played uh, half seasons here and there with the rebels and and the arrows. He was great this year. Uh, Corey Highfield, as well. Uh, I've always been a fan of his game since he played with Halton Hills Junior B, and uh, you know he was traded from the beaches this year. And has been really good for him. He's another lefty that helps out uh, stats. But another another big thing uh, as well is, and I haven't even brought it up, is is Doug Jamison.
2: Yeah, that's I that was going to be my next question. Yeah,
1: and I mean the goaltending in this 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 tournament is, is unbelievable. There's so many good goalies, and I guess you've got to start with uh, Jamison. Um, you know. NLL experience, he won a Minto in 2014, he was a backup last year in the Man Cup, uh, he's obviously not afraid of the big stage, and mm-hmm. he hasn't even lost a game this year, 15-0 and in the regular season, and 7-0 in the postseason this year, uh, when you have a guy in between the pipes like that, your defense plays with confidence, and they've got some great defensive players as well, uh, you know, Tyson Bombary, Jerry Stott, uh, Jamie Diltz, just to name a few, mm-hmm they're able to play with such confidence because and play aggressive because they know if it breaks down, they've got uh, they've got Jamison back there to, to bail them
2: out. Yeah, it's looking like, you know, if the Minto plays out the way everybody kind of thinks it's going to play out, it's going to be a Del Bianco Jamison uh, masterclass in goal of the up-and-coming best junior goalies in Canada. And, and that's, I think, one of the, the stories that sticks out to me. And you mentioned it, just the quality of goaltenders in this Minto Cup. Even from Mimico and and Kevin Orleman and and with the Okotoks Raiders, there are some good goaltenders there as well as great offensive players and defensive players. I think fans are going to be in a real treat uh, this coming week at the Minto Cup. But what's what's the rumbles about the Okotoks Raiders coming out there, Uh, you know, the the RML champions? Obviously, the Calgary Mountaineers kind of made history last year, becoming the first Alberta team to win a Minto game outside of the province. Is this a year... Um, that maybe Alberta pushes that level and gets even further? Well, I mean, it, it's, it's been a big week for Alberta lacrosse, to say
1: Absolutely. the least. I mean, uh, watching that uh, that Alberta midget team uh, in Whippy this week at the uh, festival and the national championships, uh, what Dane Doby was able to do with that team is quite remarkable. And, I, I mean, if Ontario and BC hasn't taken notice of what's going on Uh, in Alberta right now uh, they they need to because there's going to be another team out of Alberta rolling into town led by Andrew McBride and he has these guys confident I mean uh, listening to your podcast last week he was on he is very confident that not only can they replicate what uh, Calgary was able to do he thinks that they can do better and they can compete not only for that final spot but for a Minto Cup and he thinks that uh, you know it's It's not just one player on that team. It's a whole team. And, you know, in a short uh, tournament, obviously it helps having one or two star players that can take over. uh, But they have so much depth. uh, And it's not just, you know, they bring in guys from Ontario to, you know, try to compete or bring guys in from BC. They've got some homegrown talent. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. But Travis gets Brett McIntyre as well. Uh, Cade McCormick, just a couple of names off the top of my head there. All three of those guys are, you know, from Alberta and they're, they produce uh, each of them putting up plus 20 points in the postseason. So those are guys that I'm looking forward to see in person as well and see, uh, you know, what kind of noise they can make. And you already mentioned Orman as well. I mean, him coming from Ontario, uh, another Ontario boy I got to tip my cap to, yeah. um, you know, I, I've been a big fan of his game since he's been out with uh Barry Junior A. He's a guy that plays the game well, good defensive player, works real hard, can take face offs as well. So I mean, you know, Bryder said it best on, on, on his uh on your podcast last week. You know, they're embracing the underdog role, but they don't think that they're underdogs. And yeah, I think they are hoping that they uh that teams are gonna take them lightly. But, you know, knowing the uh the coaches on each of these other teams, I know that, that they're not taking these guys lightly and Speaking of uh, of you know McBride, he was saying how much scouting they've done, and and, yeah. and that's huge. That's huge because when when you're out of province and you don't really get a chance to play against these teams, uh, you know scouting reports are huge. And it obviously sounds like he has put a, a ton of work, uh, you know, putting together a scouting report. Almost I think he said what like seventy pages on yeah. on, on these teams. So I mean if. If anyone uh, outside of the province knows up the team's uh, good, it's, it's going to be him, and I know he's going to be, you know,
2: he's going to be hungry, and I know the Raiders are going to be hungry as well. It's unfortunate there's not a, there's not more videotape out there, so it's a lot of word of mouth, and it's a lot of talking to other coaches to mm-hmm. get those inside scoops. But you mentioned the coaches in this series, and, and Shanny's article on Inside the Cross today kind of profiles all four head coaches: uh, Pat Coyle, and McBride. Uh, Steve Toll and Patrick Merrill. I think it's it's fantastic for the game of lacrosse that high level elite National Lacrosse League players are giving back and coaching in the Mitchell Cup, and I think it just adds a level of interest to this game because all those guys have played at the highest level. Oh, I, I
1: absolutely, and I mean, you know, when when you get to you know the elite level in, in the National Lacrosse League or even in major series, there's a lot of people that say, you know. Coaching doesn't really mean too much. It's more, you know, the systems are in place and the players just go out and play. But, I mean, in junior A, that doesn't work just based off the argument that you're looking at these players. All four of them, like you said, to at an elite level. Uh, and, and, you know, the growth that uh, you look at, uh, you know, a Mimico team. Look what Steve Toll has been able yeah. to do. Obviously, Six Nations and. And, uh, you know, quitlam have always historically been strong programs. That, but even with the Raiders, what, what uh, you know, Brider has been able to do with this team, um, how good they look and and the way that they're playing. It's not just uh, the reason they are, you know, in the Mentos because they just have the best players from Calgary. No, he, he has the right players and he has them in the right positions. And I think, like you said, it's so good for the game of lacrosse that uh, these guys are giving back and, it's great to see it that they're not just coaching, you know, at the national lacrosse league level. You know, summer ball. They're coaching junior, whether it be A, whether it be BB. And you know, obviously, the game is going to grow, especially in areas like uh, you know Alberta, maybe even out east. We're seeing more, uh, more in the Maritimes as well. It starts with coaching,
2: and and this is a, a prime example. Absolutely, the Minto Cup gets going Thursday. The press conference is Wednesday. You will have the calls on JVI. Now, do we know if they're going to be a uh, web stream for free or pay-per-view yet? Uh, I
1: believe that it will be pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's uh, it's going to be a game-by-game um, yeah. uh, payment. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be – I'm not too sure what the price will be, but it's going to be well worth your your, your dollars because, like I said, all four teams can compete. I don't think we're going to see blowouts. I think every game is going to be close. And like I said, I think uh, people are going to be shocked when they see uh, Mimico and they see uh, you know Oakdale because those two teams I think they can compete with the top dogs in Coquitlam and Six Nations.
2: It all gets cool on Thursday. The first game is Mimico and Coquitlam. The second game, Oakdale and Six Nations. Both those goes on Friday. Uh, or sorry, on Thursday. Patty, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, Enjoy the Minto Cup. Have a great call, and I'm sure we'll be seeing the smiling face for uh, a few more days the rest of the summer. <laughs> all righty. Thanks, Daddy.
0: The man, the myth, the legend, Pat Gregoire, um, he was sure to remind me after we had talked that um, when he said he saw a Minto in Brampton, that wasn't correct. You can excuse him. He's a very busy guy these days. Um, he meant Whitby, but that's okay. We've all made mistakes. Don't stress, Patty. It's just a podcast. It's just the world's greatest lacrosse podcast. No big deal. So Patty will have the call with Matthew Carrick. Uh, all the games on JVI video. Most likely pay-per-view. Don't know the price yet. I would imagine it's going to be probably like 8 bucks a game, 8 to 10 bucks a game. That's my guess. Yes, it sucks that they're pay-per-view, but just like, you know, Playful Screen, JVI has to play, pay their employees. It's not a cheap setup. It's not an easy setup. And sure, we'd all love to be able to just flip on the TV and, and watch a game of lacrosse, throw it on the computer, whatever it may be, for free. But unfortunately, that's not the world we live in right now. We live in a world with pay per view lacrosse. But you're going to see some really, really good lacrosse. So kind of makes it all worth it. Coquitlam Mimico game number one. Okotoks, Six Nations, game number two. And they'll play first three nights. Take a break. Reset. One team will be out. Two teams will move on. And one team will wait over in the finals. We'll catch up with Patty Gregor next week. And... See how things are going. Get his perspective as we move along. And I have a feeling the Minto Cup is going to be just spectacular. I have a feeling there's going to be—I don't want to call them upsets because I truly believe that Okotoks and Mimico have a shot at winning some of these games. So it wouldn't surprise me out of the gate if something crazy happened. Four great goaltenders four fantastic coaches, four great teams. The Minto Cup is off and running. The road to the Man Cup is still weeks away. However, we are on the verge of history as three of the four series will go the distance into Game 7. And the fourth series, the Peterborough-Brooklyn series, has at least gone six. And they'll play Game 6... I believe tomorrow, if that's correct. They'll play game six tomorrow, and if necessary, game seven will be on Thursday. There are two game sevens tonight. One's about an hour or so away from getting started, and that's Six Nations in Oakville. Victoria and Burnaby get set to go in two hours in their game seven, and then tomorrow night, New Westminster and Maple Ridge will play game seven. It has never happened. It's never gone this far that we've seen three series go seven games. Call it parody. Call it the lacrosse gods just seeing, wanting to see more lacrosse. However you decipher what the heck is going on in the senior loops, it is making for fantastic lacrosse. You know what? I'll go on record. I said I would imagine that those first, couple, those first two series in Ontario would be by pretty quick, and the Western series were going to be long, drawn-out games. Well, I was wrong. Oakville and Brooklyn making me eat my words, and I love it. I love Game 7s. Sure, I would have loved to have seen the Shamrocks wrap this up four nights ago, and I would love to not have to sit on my couch tonight biting my fingernails, pacing around the apartment, watching game seven, hoping and praying that the Shamrocks can pull it out. But part of me loves that stress. And part of me just loves being a part of game sevens. I've been in many of them. And there is nothing like it anywhere than a game seven. And if we get four of them, It could be one of the best summers we've ever seen. Both Burnaby and New West have come back from 3-1 deficits to force the game seven. The series out east have pretty much just been going back and forth, back and forth. And what we're left with is eight teams battling for two spots. And I truly have no idea who's going to win these. If you would have asked me a couple days ago, I thought Victoria pretty much had this wrapped up. I thought Burnaby, um, not going to throw in the tent, but um, we're kind of one foot out the door. And when Victoria had a, I think they were up 6-3 in game five, I thought that was going to be the end of it. Only to see Burnaby... Uh, shut out Victoria for the last 27 minutes and outscored them 5-0 in the third to force a game six. Then they outscored Victoria 4-1 in the third to take game six and force game seven. New West has done an incredible job battling back against Maple Ridge. If this is what it's going to be like all summer, I'm I'm for it. If this is going to be August, let's have it because – there is no clear-cut favorite anymore. A lot of people th- said, you know what, if you look on paper, Burnaby is a better team than Victoria. They should win. I kind of countered that and said Victoria has more experience. Um, the Burnaby Lakers have rarely, if ever, beaten Victoria in the playoffs in the last decade and a half. And then in the other series, I thought New Estimate Bridge were going the distance from the get-go. I thought Burnaby and Victoria was going to be a five- or six-game series. And look where we are. I thought Six Nations and Peterborough, we're going to maybe go five, six at most. And we're on the verge of two game sevens. It is incredible. Which leads me to a very interesting question that's kind of been sitting on my mind for the past few days, maybe even a week. If you were to choose right now, Who would you award the WLA Coach of the Year to? Now think about it. Oftentimes, it's given to a coach who has helped his team turn things around from a disappointing season to a successful season. Well, that's probably Jim Milligan, if you go on that. Before he was let go by the Lakers, he had that team sitting in fourth, a playoff position. They had three games left. They were 9-5-1. His replacement in Peter Tellis was able to win their final three games that put them to 12-5-1 and and in first place. In Maple Ridge, you have Rob Williams. His team was the defending WLA champions. Took them to a 12-6 record. Finished second place one point out of first. Steve Goodwin in the New West was 11-6-1 with his bellies, finished in third place. And then Bob Hayes in Victoria, 10-7-1, and, and a playoff team. Now, does Caleb Toth get some consideration? Because he really helped turn that Nanaimo team around. 15 points, a solid fifth-place finish. But it's very rare that a coach who takes his team to or misses the playoffs with his team... Rare, very rarely would that person get Coach of the Year nominees even. So if you take the bottom three teams out, you have Bob Hayes, Steve Goodwin, Rob Williams, and then a split of Jim Milligan and Peter Tellis. So who wins the Coach of the Year award? I truly do not know. I would think that you know, Jim Milligan put his team in the position that they were for a chance to get to first place. And then Peter Tellis took him the rest of the way. Rob Williams has had his team right at the top of the standings for most of the year, as did Bob Hayes. Uh, Victoria had a poor end to the regular season, which allowed them to fall to fourth. So that might take Hayes out of the equation. So now you have three options. The Lakers coaching staff, Williams, And Steve Goodwin in New Westminster. And I still don't know who to choose or who I would choose. It's a crazy dilemma. And I'm going to be very interested to see who wins this award MVP, Corey Small, Rookie of the Year, most likely Chase Fraser. The Defender of the Year award is, is always a toss-up. Uh, your Goaltender of the Year award's probably going to come down to Eric Penny or Alex Bouquet. Uh, Booker played 300 more minutes than Penny did, so that might give him a bit of an advantage. So there are some questions out there when we get to WLA awards, but the one big one that just stands out to me, because there's no true clear-cut favorite, is who's going to win Coach of the Year? And I just truly don't know. I just don't know. But that's what makes these things all the more exciting because you really don't know. And, and with no real clear-cut favorite, that'll make the voting a little bit more interesting. That's a lot of Canadian summer talk. Let's switch over to the National Lacrosse League. You might have forgotten about that. Maybe, maybe not. But in the last week, there have been a ton of signings. Let's go all the way back one week ago, August 8th. The Stealth signed Brendan Rouse and Pat Corbett. The Rock signed Damon Edwards, Sandy Chapman, Brandon Miller, Dale Robinson, and Adam Jay to deals. The Rush signed backup goaltender Zach Boychuk. The Nighthawks traded Adam Bomber to the Black Wolves for Brendan Robinson and the 14th overall pick. The Swarm signed Warren Hill and Kevin Orleman, two goaltenders. The Mammoth re-signed Nick Acello, and the Roughnecks signed Dan McRae. On the 10th, uh, the Ruffies signed Tyler Ferrer. Roughnecks signed Ethan Garland, and Rochester signed Reed Reinholdt and Jordan Magnuson. Took the weekend off. On the 14th, Buffalo re-upped Dane Smith to a two-year deal. The Roughnecks signed uh, backup goaltender Tyler Richards, a UFA, as well as Chad Cummings. And the Mammoth bringing back Jordan Gillis and Josh Sullivan. On respective one and two-year deals as well. Two-year deals as well. However, there was some more news today that hasn't officially, officially been announced on the NLL site. Um, but David Brock is going from the Buffalo Bandits to the New England Black Wolves. He was an unrestricted free agent, unable to come to terms with the Black Wolves. Oh, sorry, with the Bandits. So the Black Wolves... Uh, jumped in and swooped swooped and picked him up. So that's a great pickup for the Black Wolves' defense. Uh, Another athletic, physical defender. Uh, Brockie's very underrated, in my opinion. Uh, He runs the floor incredibly well. And he got a little bit of love when he got nominated for Defender of the Year this year, which is fantastic. But I still think he's a bit under the radar. I'm a huge David Brock fan. Uh, He just plays the position really, really well. Steady, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, And has a bit of a nose for the goal. So a great pickup there for the New England Black Wolves, And another hole left open in the Buffalo Bandit camp. And it'll be interesting to see how Steve Dietrich fills that one. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Billy D. Smith not coming back. Now David Brock isn't coming back. No uh, Ryan Banesh. So it'll be interesting to see how these Buffalo Bandits look. It'll be a new-look Bandit squad next year. And a lot of times, change is good. And you need that change. A shakeup at the top, a shake-up at the bottom. Bring in some fresh blood, some new meat, and a fresh look. And things can change. And the Buffalo Bandits will have the first overall pick. It's most likely going to be Josh Byrne. And they're going to get a fantastic lefty that um, whose star potential continues to rise. And he is going to be a good one for the Buffalo Bandits again. Barring some major change, uh, most likely they'll take him. Uh, there is a, a possibility that Austin Stotts declares early, but I just don't think uh, Buffalo will risk taking Stotts over Byrne. Uh, if Stotts does declare early, it's most likely that he will end up in Rochester. That's just kind of how things play out. The other big news that came out of the National Lacrosse this week was the retirement of one of the best off-ball players, our sport has ever seen pose Schreiber got it Schreiber again Line pass to Reinhold a little bit of space scars (laughs) Bearns got it with the extra man on again and a buck 31 remaining in the fourth it's a two goal game Bearns finishes his career with the Toronto Rock he played for three teams in his entire career He started his career in the hot sands of Arizona as a member of the Sting. He was traded to the Swarm the next year where he played two seasons, and then he spent the last decade with the Toronto Rock from 08 to 2017. And in his career, he averaged just under three points a game, 520 points in 187 games, and then just over two points a game in the playoffs, 45 points in 20 playoff games. He's a Man Cup winner a Champions Cup winner, and as I said, one of the best off-ball players the game has ever seen. I can't remember who tweeted it out, tweeted it out, but somebody said that Bearns probably retires with more points than time of ball spent in his stick. He was just one of those guys that didn't need the ball in his stick long, and when he did, it was in and out in a blink, and most of the times, it was in the back of the net. I know a lot of goaltenders will be thankful that he's retired. I know The Rock are going to miss him greatly. The right-hander um, from Elora, Ontario, uh, will go down as one of the better Rock players in history. He's just been a mainstay for them. And as his career went on, he became a very vital veteran on that roster, especially with a lot of the young talent coming up that Jamie Dowick has brought in. So we want to wish Boom Boom Casey Beers a... Happy retirement and, like I said, it, uh, an incredible career and one of the best off-ball guys our game has ever seen. If you ever get a chance to watch some old video of Casey Bearns um, or a guy like Kurt Miloski, a guy like Ted Dowling, guys who were just really good off-ball, pick, roll the net, quick stick in. That's all Casey did. He would sit on the crease on the power plate, one-timers. He developed a pretty good shot later on in his career. Uh, Some of those goals from the top of the power play, he was putting over top of goaltender shoulders. But more importantly, he was the guy doing the dirty work. The grinder, as Marty O'Neill loves to call him. That role, he encompassed very well. And he did it better than most. And he will go down as one of the best off-ball players we've ever seen. And he will be greatly missed in our sport. But I'm sure he'll still be around and kicking. But no more boom-boom beers. In a Toronto Rock uniform. So congratulations on a fantastic year. And I know a lot of goaltenders are happy that he is no longer in the National Lacrosse League. Not a lot else to talk about this week. So we're going to kind of end it short. I would like to get back in time to watch Game 7 of the Rock and Lakers. That starts ooh, in about 90 minutes or so. But one thing came up uh, across the tweet box last week, and I forgot to mention it. And I think it was the lacrosse all-star guys who tweeted it out. And that was, who would win between the Thompson brothers and the Powell brothers? We'll We'll just stick to three on three. So let's go Lyle, Miles, and Jeremy against Casey, Ryan, and Mikey Powell. And it's a pretty cool debate. Um, I don't really know who would win that little competition. couple lefties, couple righties. I think it would be a pretty sweet exhibition. Now, obviously, a little tough with Casey and Ryan being on the backside of 30. And the Thompsons being on the underside of 20 for the, or underside of 30 for the most part. But there are, you know, they do those little... I don't even know how to, what to call it. Those fantasy matchups. You know, they did it with. I'm a wrestling guy. Everybody knows that. You think of, you know, we always wanted to see Hogan and The Rock, and we got it. We always wanted to see Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. We got it. Powells versus Thompson. That's pretty cool. I'm okay with that. Obviously, like I said, it would be pretty tough to do. Again, I don't think it happens, but it's always nice to think about these kind of of out-of-the-box little scenarios. So who do you think would win? In their prime, the Powells versus the Thompsons. And then, just for fun times, take two of each and then put them against the Gate Brothers. And then for the championship... Fred Jenner and I will take on the winners. We're laying down the gauntlet. We'll put Hudson in net, And Fred and I will take on the best two you got. When you're ready, bring it on. It, I don't even know what I'm talking about sometimes. Um, and the reason I kind of talked about this is because uh, the other night when I was calling the Shamrock game, I said I would take. Uh, Steve Priolo, Mike Triolo, and Tyler Haas in a three-on-three basketball game, bring your best three. And Logan Shuss immediately replied with, Peter, Dave, and Rich Morgan. And I have to give it to him. That's a pretty good triumvirate. But they're brothers. So it's kind of cheating. But it's not. There are some good little matchups like that that are out there. And sometimes when you talk a lot of lacrosse, you kind of let your mind wander and think about some out-of-the-box things. And those are just a couple of things that were out of the box that have come through the lacrosse world. So who is your three-on-three team? Who is your best brother combo? Shoot me an email, teddy.jenner at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at off the crossbar. And again, who is your WLA coach of the year? I don't know, but that's the question we're posing you today here on Off the Crossbar. Um, That's going to do it. I'm going to get out of here. We have a very important Game 7 coming up. Two tonight, Oakville at Six Nations, Victoria at Burnaby. And then tomorrow night, Wednesday, New Westminster at Maple Ridge. That's Game 7. Game 6 in the MSL semifinal between Peterborough and Brooklyn goes tomorrow. And if the Redmen can pull it off, Please, lacrosse gods, let them pull it off. Please. We'll have Game 7 Thursday. And then we'll get to the finals, MSL and WLA. Uh, The WLA finals will either start on Thursday or Friday, I believe. Um, They're going to want to get to it right away. And so they're just waiting to see who is going to be in that series. And then they will make the final decision to whether the series starts on the 17th or on the 18th. And pretty much you can expect the series to be going every night unless there is some arena confliction. But my guess is that this series will get started quickly and be over in a week and a half to two weeks, depending on things. That is going to do it. My name is Teddy Jenner. Again, email teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at OffTheCrossbar. Uh, thank you to Pat Gregoire for checking in with us this week on the Minto Cup We'll check back in with him next Tuesday to see just how things are going. I'm still efforting uh, Canadian lacrosse legend to come on and talk about the international game. And who knows, we might have some more National Lacrosse League signings. We're getting closer and closer to the draft that goes on September 18th. Uh, In just a couple of weeks, it's the 5th Annual National Lacrosse League Junior Tournament on the 25th and 27th. We still have no word on Hall of Fame ballots or or nominations or anything. I haven't seen anything from the National Lacrosse League so uh, we'll try to find out some answers on that and get them to you next week. Other than that enjoy the sunshine and enjoy some darn game sevens. Enjoy the Founders. Enjoy the Minto. There is a ton of lacrosse and it is August. That's one of the best parts about summers here in Canada. The lacrosse never ends. Until then. Take a friend to a game. If you take friend, take two. The more friends you have, the more fun they will have, too. And as always, be excellent to each other.